Gracious and loving God, we pray that your presence would be with us. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, that we might be enlivened with joy and communion and fellowship, even when we find ourselves in different places. Speak a word to us so that we might become that word in the world, your very presence. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, so I know I say this probably a lot, but this is one of my favorite scripture readings there is. In fact, uh, coming up down the road, maybe in a few more years from now, we'll do an entire sermon series on the prodigal son. And uh, there's especially books, so if you want a little summer reading, it's by uh, Henry Nouwen called The Prodigal Son. And takes three different looks at this scripture uh, from different vantage points. And there's just so much to explore with it. But this morning, I want to talk about and I want to highlight the way in which the Father rejoices when the wayward son comes home. And I want to talk about it because I think it's an important rhythm that sometimes we lose sight of as a, a fundamental component to what it means to be a Christian. And that's throwing a lavish party, just celebrating with joy and zeal and getting together and, you know, fattening. The fattened calf was uh, put up and they like had a feast and all this food and they just celebrated together as a community. Because we've been talking about rhythm over the past few weeks now. We've been talking about rhythm because so many of us feel out of rhythm in life. That we don't, you know, our kids are doing different things, our schools are doing different things, you know, all the things that we are used to are now somewhat different in our lives. And we're trying to figure out how do we find this sense of a healthy balance amid COVID-19. Even as we were talking about with our leaders that are going to be coming and helping us lead when we're able to come into in-person work worship again, is, you know, we won't have singing, and we won't have fellowship, and we'll be taking our temperature checks, and we hand sanitizing as you come in, and, and it's just it's different from what we normally do when we gather. But the thing is, is that our rhythm of gathering on Sunday morning is only a piece to the puzzle of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We talked about the rhythm of prayer. We talked about the rhythm of fasting last week. We talked about how our bodies and care for our bodies plays an important role in the rhythm that is Christian life. Well, one of the rhythms that is really important, just like fasting we talked about last week, is feasting together. You can see we have our communion table in back, which is really one of our welcome tables. We actually have a really amazing communion table that's being made in Waimanalo, and they have the Cuban mahogany that's already. I'm so excited for it to be in the space. If you want to follow along, we have some of the social media posts from Danny, um, from uh, Rustin Wood, who's putting together that table. But the, the table is going to be here, and it's going to be uh, this beautiful table, and it's going to be a time to celebrate around it, because that's what we do. We celebrate around the table together. It's the most central piece to what it means to be a Christian, that in baptism. It's our, our sacrament, as we call it in the United Methodist Church. A sacrament is our fancy way of saying that when rightly administered, God's grace meets you there always. That it doesn't matter if you uh, don't believe it or know it or like it, that God's grace will meet you in the practice of baptism or communion, whether you like it or not. It's just there. And, and, you know, I, as someone who was in the Baptist church for a while, I'm not, I'm not dogging on the Baptist, but as I was in the Baptist church for a while, you know, it was always about the disposition. I always wanted to get my heart right. But then I had a professor that was telling me about how communion was more powerful than the disposition of your heart. 
And I didn't really understand it until that professor directed me towards this Bible story. Because I just imagine myself that wayward son. I mean, we all have been there, right? We've all gone off and done our own thing, and we've squandered or we've made poor decisions. And you know, you all have that moment, right? When you kind of, I don't know if you went to your parents and you told them what you did wrong, or you went to your boss, or maybe it's just that insecurity and that self-loathing that you carried with yourself because you knew you did something wrong, and you just carry that weight right? And so here, the, the wayward son, he had gone off, he had partied, he had done everything that he wanted to be doing, and then he realized that he was in the wrong. And then he, kind of tail between his legs, decided he was going to make his way home. And that hope that his father would treat him with just a little bit of the grace that the father treats just the servants. And so there he was, on his way home. And the way I like to imagine it is just like that writer Henry Nouwen talks about, is that the father, I don't know, maybe it's his weekly routine, right? Daily routine. To look out on the horizon and just pray for his son that had gone and, and just hope that the son would come back one day. And who knows why the father saw the son, but saw the son in the distance and then just drops everything he's doing and runs off to meet him. And the son, I would imagine, probably didn't even see the father until the father was close by because he was probably looking like this and making his journey home. But the father was coming with joy and celebration and wrapped his arms around the son and then didn't just stop there and didn't just stop and say welcome, but then said, you are back. And so sometimes when we think about God and we think about culture, we think about this judge, right? You know, that's going to come down with the sin that you have committed in life and, you know, it's come down on Jesus and because of Jesus, everything. God runs after you just the way the father runs after the wayward son. God runs after you and with joy and with celebration is so excited that you are at the table and throws a party. And that's just the story a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about the power that parties have within our context of Christian community. You see, uh, I didn't grow up in the church, and I think I've said that, but one of the places where I made my commitment to follow Jesus more real than ever was kind of like a week-long party, and it was at a camp. It was called a Young Life Camp. It was at, uh, a, not Windy Gap, but some, it was at Castaway Club in Minnesota, and we were there together, and Young Life Camps are awesome. They have just so much things. There's like zip lines. They have, you know, uh, paragliding. They have all sorts of other things, and I was just in, in cloud nine as a high school student. I was so excited, so much fun, and it was just a celebration all week long. They had these big games where you'd throw these ball, uh, balloons full of uh, flour at each other, and I mean, just all these things that we did, and it was just so much fun. And it was there as I was in the context of that fun and that excitement and that big camp-like party that I also had a time to reflect a little bit about how that party was different than other parties I had been to. Parties where I felt insecure or I felt pressured to drink before I was age or test out different things that they were handing out and, you know, being whatever it was to be part of the cool club and you had to, you know, do this prank or do that thing or say the right thing and use the right words in order to be part of that group. I didn't feel any of that when I was at Castaway Club. 
I just felt happy and felt welcomed and felt loved. And the leaders were there and they were celebrating with me and celebrating the, the excitement and the joy. And the first time I got up on a wakeboard was there at that camp. And uh, it was just fun. Fast forward a, a number of years, I have a friend in Raleigh, North Carolina. He started a church called Church on Morgan. And one of the things that they do is that they, they have a rhythm of life, which is, you know, where I get some of the inspiration uh, for this series. But they have a rhythm of life, and it has the daily devotionals. It has the, the weekly gatherings, which are, look a little bit different for us. And they also have monthly opportunities of service. But then they also do this thing called seasonal parties. And they tie it directly to this story of the prodigal son. And they say, we want to be known as a people of joy, that party together. And not just party, right, where we have a big bounce house, but that really has a party that everyone wants to go to. And sure enough, that's just what they do. They have a, this Christmas party where they take over uh, Raleigh's like Grand Central Station, so to speak, the station, and they just take it over and they have decorations everywhere and people are dressed to the nines and they literally just have one big Christmas fellowship party with the whole church. And, and not just the whole church, but other people want to come to it. And so they invite friends to the party, and they celebrate together, and they're just known for being a group that has fun together. And I know this seems awkward given that we can't gather together on Sunday mornings or we can't host that party, but I wonder what does it look like for us to be a people that is known for being fun, celebratory, happy, instead of sometimes what Christians are known for, judgmental, Prude. <laughs> All the things that you go on the list of way Christians are interpreted in society. And I know that's not you necessarily, but how do we be a community of joy, celebration, and feasting together? Communion table, gathering around the table, finding your seat and celebrating Christ's death, resurrection, and grace given to every one of us is a joyful occasion. We call it the great thanksgiving within our theology, that we give thanks for the ways that God has acted in the world. How do we rhythm our lives to show that thankfulness and that joy? Uh, a few years back, I did a, a kind of a consulting group, and it was called uh, 3DM Ministry. And the way it was talked about is that you often have three like, different worlds that you live in. You have your personal home life, you have your work life, and then you have your friend life. And then for some of us in churches, we have that fourth life, which is the church life. And they say it's all about bringing those together. How do we bring the family and the work and how do you live out your Christian life in all the places of your life and not just leave it for this church realm? And one of the things that the leaders are from England, and they started this uh, giant movement within England, but uh, Sally and Mike Breen, one of the things that they did on a regular basis is they had Friday night happy hours which sounds like the least Christian thing to some people, right? Like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be drinking. You're not supposed to be doing those things. But they would just have a happy hour on Friday nights from this time to this time and invite their neighbors. That's it. Invite their neighbors. And 
over time, they build a sense of trust and a sense of community, and then they start to ask questions like, what do you do? And the, Mike Breen says, well, I'm a pastor of this movement. And he's like, you're a pastor, and you're having a happy hour, and you're doing these different things, and I'm not trying to condone whatever. But what they would do there is build the relationships and let people know that you are welcome and loved into this community. And they welcomed them to that community. Just a simple weekly practice. And they would say that that was the foundation for starting their ministries and their small groups and their churches. And they also reflected it back on the history of the church and communion. See, when the church began, we didn't have these large gatherings of 100 plus people in a sanctuary space. We gathered in homes, around tables, And then later on, they started to gather in these corporate temple gatherings, these sanctuary spaces, together around the table. And if you've been in a small group with me, you've been in a Bible study with me, you'll know that one of my fundamental theologies is that what makes the communion table powerful is the ways the micro-communions happen in our lives. So when the small groups are involved and know each other, the choir is involved and know each other, the crafty angels are involved around a table, they know each other. It's when those micro-communities come together that we celebrate around the table. I mean, that's why we have once-a-month communion in the Methodist church. There used to not be enough pastors riding around. So we would ride around on what's called a circuit to the different Christian communities And they could only do communion once a month or once a quarter because every other week the pastor was at a different community leading those communions. But then they would get together deep in our Methodist roots for camp gatherings. When those communities within all of a region would gather together and celebrate. And we were known for it back in our history of these camp gatherings where we celebrate, we would praise, we would fellowship, and we would truly have this fun, joyful camp experience. But that power was made powerful by the communities that gathered in other places. So right now we can't gather in this large corporate party, but you can find ways to celebrate and to develop fellowship with people even when it's online. Or you can be creative and do it in a safe way. I know that my parents back at home, they they have their like uh, front lawn parties, they call them, where they have people on opposite sides of their driveway and they hang out and they fellowship there and they find a way to do it in a safe way. You could also be like our Wednesday morning women's group that gathers and it's the highlight of their week when they gather and they do it digitally and they are able to fellowship together you can find a way to be connected and joyful with other people even during this time. So that when we're able to gather around the table together in person, it'll be more joyful than ever. That the power of our micro-communities will make the power of our larger gathering more meaningful and that God's presence will hit us even harder than it does on a regular basis. So that's something I invite you to do during this time is find ways to safely be in community so that when we gather around the table, the feast is all the more lavish and all the more exciting. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Gracious and loving God, 
We know that yours is the world and all that's in it. And we give you thanks for celebrating our place at the table. <laughs> give you thanks this morning that Kevin was able to be with us and celebrate with us with the harmonica and bring a sense of vibrance and joy. Thank you for our praise team and our organists and all those that help lead us even during this digital time. We gather virtually. We recognize the place we are in our society and our global contexts. And so we pray for the world. Pray for those that are isolated, unable to travel, those that are sick, those places that have recovered well and that their curve is down. And we pray for justice. So pray for your creation. Thank you for the rain that we needed. But also thank you for the sun and the time to be outside. Pray that you'd help us be wise stewards of all that you've made. And for our nation, we pray. Giving thanks for the corporate national celebration that we had yesterday with 4th of July. And yet at the same time, we pray for the disunity and the vision that we have in our nation. Whether it's masks or not masks or Trump or Biden or whatever the arguments are over. We pray for empathy and peace and justice. That we might be wise and safe. And for our local community, we pray. It's like some of us on the social media with the American flag getting torn down, a Hawaiian flag getting put up, and the Hawaiian flag getting torn down, and the division that exists even in our midst. Pray that you give us that same empathy and passion for justice. And for our local church, we pray. Lifting up our prayer requests, silent to you now. We thank you for our community of faith and our communion together. And we pray that to this morning as we celebrate communion, it might be a celebration in our homes. And we look forward to the day when we can be back together. But for now, we thank you for your presence with us always. It's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.